0: A lot of people ask me about Steve Jobs and how he does it, his mind hacks, his Jedi skills that enable him to influence people, to create change, to launch products, to make people care about technology, to create the world's most valuable IT company. Was it design? Was it his skill of building computers? What was it exactly that Steve Jobs had? Well, the key is storytelling and Interestingly, he wasn't actually a very confident person and I believe that storytelling is an action It's a behavior and therefore people are confident because they tell stories It's not that people tell stories because they are confident If you learn to tell stories, you can become more confident in your communicating communication and be more like Steve So what I want to do today is share with you a lesson from my new course Business storytelling course And if you're interested in this course You can go and get the lesson The video The the, the handouts and so on It's on the website Pickle.com Under skills So if you've got a pickle P-I-K-K-A-L Dot com Slash skills You can get this full lesson It's a premium course But hopefully You'll find that there's some real value In it for you Because storytelling changes Everything Especially if you're a leader This is the most important skill In your career you know, your, your, this is the most important tool in your kit today. So how does Steve do it? What I'm going to do is share the audio from my course now from this lesson, which is a teardown of Steve Jobs' storytelling technique, blow by blow, phrase by phrase, scene by scene. You can learn analytically how Steve Jobs tells stories. And hopefully what I want you to come away with is not, wow, isn't he amazing? It's not about that. You see, what Steve Jobs does, he doesn't tell amazing stories. He simply tells stories you already understand. And what I want to get across to you is that point. You don't have to fabricate amazing blockbusters to get your point across, to influence people, to raise money, to hire talent, to get hired, to lead teams. Instead, you just need to open your eyes and your ears to existing narrative plot lines. And today I want to show you one of them and I want to show you how Steve does it and importantly how he uses the three box technique to influence people. And I'm not going to show you a presentation from Macworld or to thousands of Mac iPhone fans, those crazies. I'm going to show you how he tells stories to quote normal unquote people. And I think once you see that, and you also see the state in which Steve's in, he's, let's put it bluntly, close to death when he's telling this story. He's not like high energy, high confidence. He's quite, he sounds like a little bit low, a little bit winded. He sounds sick. So if he can tell these stories and influence people in this state, anybody can. So enjoy this lesson from my storytelling course. If you're interested in storytelling, go and check out the website where you can take this course in your own time and also learn not just Steve Jobs' techniques, but the techniques of great storytellers and also the strategies you can use to tell stories just like Steve. Hey, everybody. I'm going to share with you, take you back a uh, start again. (laughs) Um, I'm going to share with you a story from 10 years ago, um, Cupertino and Steve Jobs and show you really what Steve Jobs is made of when it came to storytelling and the power of storytelling as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at a presentation by Steve Jobs to Cupertino Council in Silicon Valley. And this is 2011 when Steve Jobs is sick And he doesn't have a lot of time left. So as you'll see from the video, he's visibly very weak and frail, and his voice is a little bit labored. So, you know, he's not sort of the high-fiving Steve Jobs we once knew. So he goes to Cupertino Council. A little bit of backstory to this is that Apple has grown significantly in recent years, and here's Steve stepping up now. And huge success with the iPhone. And as a result of success, they've grown. So, you know, this is not the small Apple that used to make MacBooks and iMacs. This is the Apple now that makes iPhones, iPods, iTunes, everything. So they've expanded significantly and they need a bigger office. And as a result of needing a bigger office, they have to move. And having to move means needing zoning permission and going to the council, councillors, and asking for permission. And this is not like you can just put a dent in the universe and get away with it. You've got to go through the processes. And the reason why I wanted to show you this presentation was three reasons. Firstly, it shows that you don't need great technology or even high emotion to connect and influence people with story. As you'll see, Steve Jobs is visibly weak. So, you know, it's not like he is sort of this monster of energy that can achieve sort of like this phenomenal storytelling skill on stage. You'll see him now very calm and almost quite slow in his storytelling delivery. And the second point is, is that he's not presenting to, you know, 10,000 iPhone fans, the kind of people that stand outside of the store and high five when they buy their iPhone. He's presenting to counselors that the hardest people to convince because they have to make decisions not on – what they believe to be emotion, but logic. And ultimately we'll see that how important emotion is in that decision making as well. So and rather than picking investors or, you know, uh, the kind of people that hang out on Mac world, I've picked the hardest people to convince government officials. And it just goes to show that storytelling works in this context as well. And a third reason I picked this is because it's not about technology and you know, the technology he's selling or the features of the technology. He doesn't talk about the iPhone. He doesn't talk about any of their technology. He talks about the story and we'll find this in the course. We'll learn this in the course and we'll learn the narrative structures, the three box technique that Steve uses. We'll learn about the hero's journey. For example, the hero's journey being the uh, centuries, thousands of years old myths and structures of myths that people use to, Um, present and tell stories and sell phones and get people to say yes. And you can learn that too. And you'll see it in action today. And it's very, very subtle. Like he doesn't present with saying, I'm the hero and this is the bad guy. And this is the river that we have to cross to start the adventure. None of that. It's very, very subtle and extremely well done. It's skilled. And I want to share with you today how it works. So what I'm going to do is I will We'll walk you through this presentation and just give you a running commentary, director's cut style, and just break it up and just analyze each of the points so you can learn from Steve Jobs.
1: Thank you. Um, I was... Apple's grown like a weed. And as you know, we've always been in Cupertino. Started in a little office park and eventually got the buildings we are in now at the corner of De Anza and 280. But we've,
0: uh all right, set the scene, important part of any story that you tell, set the scene. What's the backstory here? So he didn't come to Cupertino council and present a PowerPoint or a keynote. Instead, what Steve did was set the scene which is that we are here because of events. And this is a really important narrative vehicle, which you'll learn during this course. I call it the through story. Now, the through story is a technique used in movies and books, which sets the scene to the audience that there's this unstoppable arrow of events happening. And Apple is simply the actor in this scene. They're not setting the scene. They are simply an actor. Steve is the director here, right? And Apple is an actor in this scene. And Apple is being driven by events. Now, if you go back to the hero's journey, one of the key um, narrative structures of the hero's journey we'll learn in a future lesson is the idea of the accidental hero. This is extremely powerful. If you look at Lord of the Rings, you look at um, Harry Potter, if you look at Marvel, any of the Marvel movies, etc., 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 you'll see this repeated throughout time and history and different formats. The accidental hero is the hero who is driven by the through story. Classically, he didn't choose to be here. You know, he was chosen. And that is the narrative scene that Steve is setting up here. And it works. And the reason why it works, if you go back to the the lesson about Marvel and Avengers, is that this is a plot line we're familiar with. And when we become familiar with it, we don't resist it. it. We absorb it, we accept it, and we understand what happens next, which is ultimately Steve's goal here is to get you to what happens next. If you can accept the scene setting, if you buy into the scene setting that Steve Talk, talks about now then you also implicitly buy into the outcome right that's the power of a story it's not saying right here's the business case and here's the outcomes the bullet points the action points it's that there is this myth it's thousands of years old it's tried and tested you see it everywhere. You know how it ends. And this is how it begins. So if you buy into the beginning, you also buy into the ending, which ultimately, as you'll see from the end of this video, and I'm not going to show it to you today, but you can go and watch the video and see it, is getting Cupertino Council to say, yes. And this is how he does it.
1: And those buildings hold maybe 2,600 people, 2,800 people. Uh, But we've got almost 12,000 people in in the area. So we're renting buildings, not very good buildings either, (laughs) at an an ever greater uh, radius from our campus. And we're putting people in those. And it's clear that we need to build a new campus. So we're just out of space. And that doesn't mean we don't need the one we've got. We do need it. But we need another one to augment it. and so we've got a plan that lets us stay in Cupertino uh, and we went out and we bought some land. And this land is kind of special to me.
0: Right. This is a really important part of storytelling here, which is setting up the narrative with the actors, the, the heroes, the guides, the mentors. And if you think about it, i mean, go back to the hero's journey as well, is that with all of these narrative structures. The hero meets guides. Typically, the hero leaves the comfortable world. It's called the depart, and they have to cross a river to go on a journey. And on that journey, one of the first things they do is they encounter a guide. Now, that guide can be a wizened old man with a beard like a Gandalf or a Dumbledore, or it could be a mentor in Silicon Valley. And this is really important because Silicon Valley is full of mentors. And if you look at it, possibly the most well-known example of a Silicon Valley brand, the guys who started it all, I mean, there are key names in Silicon Valley, but two that stand out are Hewlett and Packard. Everybody knows HP, but the story to those guys is, is there were two guys who started out in a garage as co-founders. Many, many years ago. And it's a myth and an origin story which has perpetuated throughout time. How many startups were two guys or two girls, or whatever it is, I use guys in the non gender sense, who started out in the garage because they believed in something? It's something we buy into. So when we see it, it seems very familiar. And therefore, we understand how this plot line goes. And what Steve now is going to do is introduce this narrative structure. And it's important because what it also does is help the Cupertino Council buy into how this story is going to evolve.
1: Me, I uh, When I was 13, I think, I called up uh, Hewlett and Packard were my idols.
0: Okay. So I'm not going to keep breaking this up because it may be annoying and you you want to get on and watch the whole video, but do this after you take this lesson, go and watch the whole video. I'll give you the link for now. Let me break it down. Just give you some pointers. He has set himself up just like Luke Skywalker or Harry Potter in the mono myth in the hero's journey, right? Luke Skywalker meets Yoda or, you know, Harry Potter meets Dumbledore. And I'm sure you pick your favorite story. The hero meets the mentor or the guide. So he's just a 13 year old kid who, you know, is naive and full of passion and curiosity for the world. And then he meets his mentors. And the important part about that is it gets the buy-in from Cupertino Council because they understand that narrative structure, the young apprentice, the mentor. And eventually, as what happens in Star Wars, when Obi-Wan Kenobi is replaced by Luke Skywalker, eventually the mentor gets replaced. That's how it happens, right? The mentor downloads all his knowledge to the apprentice and then the apprentice becomes the new normal. So see how Steve steps this, sorry, sets this up.
1: And I called up Bill Hewlett because he lived in Palo Alto and there were no unlisted numbers in the phone book, which gives you a clue to my age. (laughs) (laughs) And he picked up the phone and I talked to him and I asked him if he'd give me some spare parts for something I was building called a frequency counter. And he did, but in addition to that, he gave me something way more important. He gave me a job that summer, a summer job, at Hewlett-Packard uh, right here on, uh, in Santa Clara, off 280, the division that built frequency counters. And I was in heaven. Well, right around that exact moment in time, uh, Hewlett and Packard themselves were walking on some property over here in Cupertino. In Pruneridge, and they ended up buying it. Uh, And they built their computer systems division there. And uh, as Hewlett Packard has been shrinking lately, they just.
0: That was a very subtle narrative um, device there. As Hewlett Packard has been shrinking lately, what he's doing is he's reconfirming that narrative structure of the mentor and the apprentice, because what he has now said to Cupertino is that, you know, Hewlett and Packard built Silicon Valley and now they are handing over the baton to the apprentice and the apprentice is us. So if you buy into the fact of Hewlett Packard, are uh, this sort of godfather, grandfather figure, paterfamilias of Silicon Valley, you also buy into the fact that we are now the next. We are picking up the baton, and keeping this legacy going. And that's really important because now he's positioned himself and Apple as a natural continuation of events. And therefore, if that's the case, then there is no way that they can stop the arrow of the plot then the through story. And you'll see, in, if you watch the video to the end, and you see the interviews with the uh, Cupertino Council, it's very telling, the effect of this story on them.
1: We decided to sell that property, and we bought it. Uh, we bought that, and we bought some adjacent property. It all used to be apricot trees, uh, apricot orchards, and we've got about 150 acres. And we would like to put a new campus on that.
0: So, so now you've seen the three... Boxes set up. And this is a technique you'll learn in the storytelling course. Past, present, future. Past, I was a kid, Hewlett and Packard. That's the backstory to events. That's the reason. That's the narrative through story, the arrow being set up. Present. And this is change. Change in the sense that well, Hewlett Packard is failing. We are growing. There's a natural handover here, and you know we've got these big offices. They're not great. I didn't choose to be here. I'm the accidental hero here, just trying to get things done. You know, I was chosen to come here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now the third box is the plan, the pitch, what I need to get out of you, and it's done quite skillfully. And I won't show you the whole pitch. You can watch the video, but I'll just show you the introduction. And it's key to remember that. You've set up this narrative framework of past and present, and the future really now is about, I need you to come on this journey with me, right? That's what it is. And like, if you think about every monomyth, every hero story told, there is a river in the journey where the adventurers have to jump over it, cross over it. It, it's, It's a transition. A transformation. And as we'll learn in the course as well about transformation, tr- transformation is stepping over the river and it's getting people to come with you. It's difficult. It's easier to stay behind and not cross the river. But I'd set up events for you that like if you accept the through story and you accept that if we don't change and we don't do something the world is not going to be a better place. So here is now your opportunity to make the world a better place by joining me and stepping over the threshold. And what he does is very subtly set this up. And now you can see this structure manifesting. He didn't come and present PowerPoint. He didn't just kill people with bullet points. He set up the past, the backstory. He told you how it is now and why we need to change. And now he's going to show you where we need to go.
1: So that we can stay in Cupertino, and we've come up. We've hired some great architects to work with, some of the best in the world, I think. Um, And we've come up with a a design that puts 12,000 people in one building. (laughs) Think about that. That's rather odd. 12,000 people in a building, in one building. But we've seen these these office parks with lots of buildings and they get pretty boring, pretty fast.
0: Okay. A subtle narrative device there as well. Basically he's pitching an outlandish idea to the council. He's not coming and saying that I want to build a campus, which looks like every other office park you've ever seen. That's the depart here. It's now you have to come across the river and coming across the river is all is a bit of a risk. And what I'm asking you to do is take a risk with me because if I present you this idea, you may think that looks ugly. That's a monster. Why the hell are we gonna build that thing? No way. But instead of doing that, he's subtly pitching this idea that you need to come across the river with me. And it's gonna look a little bit different. It's gonna look a little bit odd, but
1: ultimately it's gonna be worth it. So we'd like to do something better than that. And I'd like to take you through what we'd like to do. Um, so this is supposed to work here. There we go. Uh, can you see this? Yep. Yes we can. Great. So
0: here's where we are. There you go. And now comes the full magic carpet ride. And that's what makes a great, great leader. Whether you're pitching for, raising money, investments, hiring, leading your team, digital transformation, whatever it may be, this structure works. And Steve has shown in four minutes just how well it can work. And I, I recommend you go and watch the 20 minute video. And the great thing about this as well is you see like his style, I even mean if you were to describe Steve's style here, it isn't sort of the, the very sort of like aggressive or ballsy style storytelling that you may think of these sort of power storytellers of Silicon Valley. It's none of that. It's very, you know, you even see him bumbling a little bit like, oh, how does this thing work? You know, we've seen all that at presentations and he gets away with it because it's not about the technology. It's about the human story behind it. And so go ahead and watch this 20 minute video. It really will be worth it and pick out at least this first four minutes review the narrative structure. And the next time you go into a presentation, think of it like this is that I'm not going to go in and present the plan. You can't. You don't have permission to present the plan until we know the backstory to the plan. So like Steve, set it up with the human backstory, set up the, the change necessary in the present. Like why is this necessary? Connecting that to the backstory and then future take them on the magic carpet ride. And all of those I'll teach you in this course. So enjoy the video. Thanks a lot for sharing this part of the journey with me.